This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture this Friday afternoon with me, Lim Su An and Ti Xiao Ik. Now today we are talking about Dr. Seuss's books. So earlier this month, it, uh, earlier this month it was reported that six Dr. Seuss books will no longer be published and the reason for that was because these books contained racist and insensitive portrayal of people of colour. So we'll be discussing why such a move was warranted and if it is a form of cancel culture as some of the critics said. Yes, and we would like to find out from you what you think should children books with um, offensive elements, be it racism or sexism, for instance, be taken off the shelves. We have a poll with that question on uh, at, BFM tw- uh, at BFM's Twitter account, that's at BFM Radio. And uh, on that poll, we have three options for you. Uh, yes or uh, no, leave them be, or no, but edit them. So you can take that poll, uh, like I said, at BFM Radio. Please also WhatsApp us your thoughts if you're not on Twitter, 018-789-8899. Tell us what you think about this move or you know, maybe just generally, you'd like to share what you think about Dr. Seuss's books. That's right. So earlier this month, uh, as I said, you know, Dr. Seuss Enterprises, which is the company that preserves and protects the author's legacy, they announced that they will cease the publication of six Dr. Seuss books. And the six books are, and I th- uh, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran the Zoo, McElligot's uh, Pool, on Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and The Cat's Quizzer. So the reason they gave for this, um, for recalling these books was because they contained racist and insensitive portrayal of people of colour and the company added that and I quote, seizing sales of these books is only part of our commitment and our broader plan to Dr. Seuss Enterprises catalogue represents uh, to, to ensure that Dr. Seuss Enterprises catalogue represents and supports all communities and families. So to no one's surprise, um, this move generated some backlash. There were prominent conservatives in the US that criticised that this was a form of cancel culture and they thought that it was unnecessary there were also suggestions that perhaps uh, the books should have been left on the shelves or continued publication, but that a disclaimer should have been added to the books instead. Um, but if you think about it, six books are just a small number of his books. Um, in total, there are 45 um, Dr. Seuss titles. So there are still plenty of his books that continue to be published and circulated, I guess, if you want to look at it from a publishing perspective. That's right. And really, in fact, across his career, Dr. Seuss wrote over 60 books. Now, most uh, were under the pen name Dr. Dr. Seuss, but he also wrote others under the names uh, Theo Lesique and Rosetta Stone. And just to share a bit more about Dr. Seuss, now his real name is Theodore Seuss uh, Geisel. He was born in 1904 in Massachusetts in the US and then he later passed on in 1991. So his first published book was, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street in 1937, and that is one of the six books that are being uh, recalled. And of course, from then, you know, he went on to write many more best-selling books. And he he, he his books has now sold some um, 700 million copies globally to date, making him one of the world's most popular children's books authors. Yes, and who doesn't know The Cat in the Hat, right? Or Green Eggs and Ham. That's also How the Grinch Stole Christmas, The Lorax, so many um, that uh, many of us are familiar with, mm. um, perhaps grew up reading or are reading to our own children now. I mean, I 
love his works for the whimsical rhymes, the quirky characters. I mean, names like the Sneechers and Thing One and Thing Two, and and so many names that I can't even remember because he just he just loves to play with words and vowels mm. and syllables, right? But the books are not just all fun and games. They do uh, some of them do tackle serious issues. So the Lorax, for example, um, touches on environmental issues, and uh, another example is the Butter Battle book, which touched on arms races, and that reflected the political situation in the US at the time. Um, but the appeal of Dr. Seuss's books uh, have gone beyond just his books alone. Uh, we know that um, they've been ad- adapted into widely popular movies and uh, thus, you know, the books uh, continue to live on uh, for different audiences as well. That's right. And really considering the popularity of Dr. Seuss, it's to be expected that a move like recalling his book would receive some backlash. But really, it has also been very much welcomed among his fans. Um, his legacy has become increasingly scrutinized by parents and educators over recent years. Um, one one um, an, a piece of news that I came across was a study that was carried out in 2019 by an academic from the University of California in San Diego, as well as the founder of the Conscious Kid Library, where they found that just 2% of Dr. Seuss's human characters are non-white. And the study also found that a vast majority of the characters are portrayed in a way that sort of perpetuates racist stereotypes. So really, it's unsurprising that... Um, that it shouldn't be surprising that the enterprise has decided to take a move uh, like recalling the books because, and they said they came to this this decision when they heard feedback from teachers, specialists and academics, as well as after working with a panel of experts to review all of Dr. Seuss's work. So this is really a move that has come after much consideration on their part. Mm, I mean, you know, whether you agree with the move or not, or with cancer culture or not, it does show that they are listening and mm. taking these uh, feedback very, uh, very seriously. So just to list some examples of the problematic portrayals in his books, if you look at if I ran the zoo, it depicts two men described as being from Africa, wearing grass skirts and carrying exotic-looking animals. And uh, in the the that very first book of his that was published, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, it was criticised uh, because it included uh, the 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 illustration as well as the words a Chinese man with sticks. And uh, he had you know the the stereotypical slanted lines for eyes, and he's holding chopsticks in a book. And in fact, the, I think the original one said. A Chinaman with sticks. Oh. And it was later revised to be a Chinese man. So this is not the first time that it's, it's undergone been, yes. a, a change. That's right. So, you know, Dr. Seuss Enterprises said that the books uh, with these examples portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Mm. So Theodore Geisel's uh, Dr. Seuss's stepdaughter, Luck Gray Demond Cates, told the New York Post that there wasn't, a, and I quote, there wasn't a racist bone in that man's body. But she also added that, you know, this was a wise decision to recall the six titles. Um, I've also seen articles that spoke to Philip Nell, who is a children's literature, uh, children's literature scholar at Kansas State University in the US, and he said, and I quote, there are parts of his legacy one should honour and parts of his legacy that one should not. Now, Nell also added that this is a moral decision to choose to not profit from work with racist caricatures and that the books aren't being cancelled. It's really just a decision to no longer sell them. Yes, and you know, speaking of cancelled, whether it was cancelled or Dr. Seuss is cancelled or not, 
I just wanted to read this quote that I came across. Um, uh, Philip Bump wrote in the Washington Post in response to this news from Dr. Seuss Enterprises. And he wrote, no one is cancelling Dr. Seuss. <laughs> the author himself is dead for one thing, which is about as cancelled as a person can get. <laughs> just wanted to share that. Um, but, you know, this Dr. Seuss incident, uh, whether it's with uh, these current uh, news, these books, is not isolated. Um, in recent decades, librarians and scholars have been leading a push to reevaluate problematic children's classics. Like, um, you know, uh, there are certain editions of um, books like Tintin and Babar uh, that have been withdrawn from some libraries because of criticisms that their European authors depicted non-white characters as savages. Mm. Um, if you look at uh, sort of older children's books, there's also the Hardy Boys, the Nancy Drew series, which were originally packed with really unflattering depictions of ethnic villain villains. Um, and later on, uh, the publishers, when they updated the books, they, they changed those dis- de- depictions. Yeah. Mm. And another one I came across was Charlie and the Chocolate, Fac- Chocolate Factory, which is such a popular children's book. And Roald Dahl himself revised his own books uh, when sort of he when he faced uh, criticisms of race uh, charges of racism because in the original book the Oompa Loompas were initially described as pygmies from Africa and I guess that that sort of um, mirrors the depiction of uh, the history of slaves being brought in from Africa and so he changed it to um, say that they were uh, the Oompa Loompas came from a fictional land instead and really you know just a quick uh, a quick search on this you can find so many examples of uh, um, children's classics that have been revised because, you know, they might have been okay at the time when it was written, but, you know, as the years passed, um, the publishers themselves or maybe the authors themselves realised that these issues are problematic. And, you know, recalling books um, with problematic portray- portrayals is really just one step towards better representation and diversity in children's books. I mean, it, 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 there, there are so many arguments on either side of mm. it, really. Um, and I guess an extreme example would be something like To Kill a Mockingbird, which was banned from um, um, uh, schools uh, as reading material because of the racist slurs uh, that were used. The, the argument against banning books uh, or uh, stopping their publication is, is always that you, you remove them from circulation and with it, you remove the opportunity to talk to children about why these are problematic. And, That's right. uh, and you know, um, there have been suggestions and and uh, some, some as we, we mentioned, is that, you know, instead you, uh, you have disclaimers, um, you you put some sort of text, right, that explains um, when this book was written. I mean, um, Sousa's first book, right, the Mulberry Street one, was written in 1937. Mm. You can imagine those were um, the prevailing uh, opinions of the time. Doesn't make it right. Uh, But you use this as an opportunity, I think, to teach children about, um, you know, the history, the context of uh, racial representation or maybe even gender representation and how that has changed in history and and how we update um, the way that we think about these things as well. I don't know. That's just my opinion about mm. it. Yeah. And it, and I think it, um, you know, we, we sort of mentioned that, that use of disclaimers as this way of recalling it, this editing the books. There's so many ways, I guess, to sort of generate discussions on it, to update these books to suit the times, I guess, to suit the conversations that are um, happening in real life. And and it really is does become an opportunity to learn, right? I remember recently I was seeing how, um, I think it was Disney that added disclaimers to The Muppet Show because they still add the episode, but there were disclaimers to indicate that um, to parents and to the children watching it that 
um, look, there are scenes in this show that are problematic, but mm. we're letting you know in advance. And that is a good way to get the conversation started because you can also teach children about why that particular scene was problematic. Mm, yeah. Actually, speaking of examples, I'm sure you grew up reading Enid Blyton books as well. That's right. So when the portrayals of the Gollywogs were always um, very problematic and they have since, um, uh, the publishers have since... Um, taken uh, great pains I think to to update that that um, but I'm also thinking about you know uh, there will always be instances where you read books that were passed down right mm-hmm. or oh, in libraries you may be getting the original edition so we can never cleanse uh, our shelves um, of these books completely but um, parents and educators really have to um, play a far bigger role That's right. uh, to not let your children just be passive readers definitely and you know after the break we do want to um, we want to get the perspective of someone who is in industry and we will be speaking to children's book author Heidi Shamsudin for her thoughts on this move. Um, in the meantime, you can keep treating us your thoughts at BFM Radio. You can also WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. We'll go for a, a break to uh, for some quick messages. Keep it here on the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture with me, Sue Ann, and Xiao Yik. Now, our topic today is Dr. Seuss, and more specifically, we're talking about the recent announcement by his estate to recall six of his books. Now, these are books that contained racist and offensive portrayals of the character, and so um, Dr. Seuss Enterprises decided that they will not, uh, they do not want to profit off these books any longer, and so they will cease, publish, uh, cease publishing these books. And we were sort of talking about how that move was received by people and how it's something that uh, authors and publishers have been more aware of this need to ensure that the books don't perpetuate harmful stereotypes. Yes, so uh, just very quickly, we want to hear from you. Do you think that children's books with offensive elements such as racism, sexism or, or any others should be taken off shelves? Um, we have a Twitter, with, uh, we have a poll with that question on Twitter at BFM Radio with three options. Yes or no, leave them be or no but edit them. You can take that poll or also WhatsApp with your thoughts. Zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Now to get the perspective of someone who is in this industry, we have on the line with us Heidi Shamsudin, a children's book author. Thanks for joining us, Heidi. Now, uh, in your opinion, why do you think Dr. Seuss's books are so widely loved and read among children? Um, I I actually grew up in the states, and I most definitely grew up reading Dr. Seuss. Uh, I'm not sure how popular he was in Malaysia in the 70s and 80s, but I think his books sell very well here today because, especially with the movie tie-ins. Um, but I think the books are a bit outdated now. Um, they can be quite a mouthful to read sometimes, the, all the tongue-twisting <laughs> phrases. Um, but there's no denying that his books are fun. The rhymes are great to read out loud. But I think the most compelling thing about his books must be his artwork, his illustrations. They are so detailed, so imaginative. You can actually spend more time looking and trying to decipher the illustrations and actually reading the stories. Mm, and that's, I guess, where uh, the fun lies as well, right? For children and parents to read his books together. Now, what was your immediate reaction when you read the news that six of Dr. Seuss's books would be recalled? 
Um, I wasn't all that surprised, bearing in mind that in the past 10 years or so, there has been a sort of backlash against his work, which is set to contain uh, racial stereotypes and caricatures, which um, poke fun at certain races. Uh, I think in particular, uh, African, Asian, Middle Eastern and Indigenous people. So these six titles do contain caricature and stereotypes, which can be considered racist. Mm. Uh, for example, in the book, I think, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, there's actually a drawing of a yellow man eating with sticks, you know? <laughs> and um, if I ran a zoo, it has the words, with helpers who all wear their eyes with a slant. So yeah, this is quite clearly racist. What is interesting, though, is um, that the... The impetus for this move comes not from the public, but from the Dr. Seuss Foundation themselves. I, I don't know what was behind their decision to recall these six titles. Maybe they thought they could no longer def defend this, these titles, these, these kind of books. Or maybe it was a purely business decision. But these books, I mean, anyway, these books are not one of the more popular ones. Um, but if you think about it from a practical business point of view, a publisher or the person owning the rights to publish these books, they can decide whether or not to discontinue publication. And it happens all the time. In this case, however, instead of basing that decision on the profitability of that book, they have actually made that decision on moral grounds, which is rare. They decided that they no longer wish to profit from the work, which is deemed racist. And that's something that I agree with. I mean, they basically decided to take responsibility over the art and the message that they send out into the world. I think it's within their rights. And it's just one of the ways that you can address this type of problematic material. Hmm. And I think it goes to show that authors and publishers do have a role to ensure that the work that they put out doesn't perpetuate any racist or offensive stereotypes, right? Almost definitely. I believe that authors and publishers all have a responsibility to be aware, uh, to make sure that they don't perpetuate this kind of offensive stereotyping um, um, caricature of certain races and certain nationalities, um, especially now. I mean, <laughs> uh, Dr. Seuss lived in a time in America where it was considered normal for 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 them to think this way but mm. I, I don't think that can apply now not in 2021 and uh, there have been some who criticize this move as being part of cancel culture but do you think it's a fair argument to make i mean what impact might this move have on the rest of dr Seuss's books as well as other children's books I don't think you can strictly call this cancel culture. The books are not being banned. They're not being cancelled. You can still get them if you want. Although I've, I've checked online and every, <laughs> they've all seemed to be out of stock now. But um, these books are um, being recalled, which means that the publisher are no longer going to print these um they're no longer printing new copies of these six titles. However, pre-existing copies of these titles will continue to exist. You can still get them in the library. Um, these six titles will not disappear overnight. I think those calling this a uh, cancel culture are oversimplifying the matter a bit. This is this is actually a golden opportunity to have a serious conversation about the issue of race and racism in children's literature. And, and we should have that conversation. 
Um, in any case, those who are saying that this move cancels culture, I mean, what culture are they trying to uphold? The culture of racism? The culture of, of poking fun at other people's uh, nationalities? You know, you have to ask yourself, is this really the kind of culture that you want to keep? Uh, as for the impact this might have on other Dr. Seuss books and children's books in general, hopefully this will lead to a more inclusive reading of the text and mm -hmm. more diversity and representation in books. Uh, some parents might find that topics like racism are difficult to have with their children, um, I guess. But why do you think it's important for parents to talk to their kids about these things? Uh, yes, of course. Um, especially with young children, uh, I think it's really important for parents to not just read to them, but to read with them, to be aware of the books and the reading material that they're exposed to. Uh, when my kids were young, I I. I chose the books I read I read to them and whenever there was any questions of that they didn't quite understand they could always talk to me about it to to um you know to to get more more out of it um they uh it's also important to have books that offer positive examples, books which don't stereotype people according to their race or even their gender. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a multicultural society, but unfortunately here in Malaysia, our education system has somewhat separated us into distinct groups. So there are still people who have no acquaintances outside their own community. So books are a great way to bridge the gap to enable us to um, understand each other. Now, with children's books, you, uh, as you said, a lot of them were written in a time and age where it was seen to be normal or okay to include um, offensive tropes like those in the Dr. Seuss books that you mentioned. Now, do you think there's a right or perhaps a more suitable way to update such books, whether you know it's by recalling them, rewriting them, or even just putting a disclaimer at the start of the book? Um, well, in this example, I think the, the bringing up the issue of of these six titles by way of recall is actually a positive step. Um, of course, we can't change the past. And there was a time when these offensive tropes and stereotypes were included in books, in movies, on TV, etc. But the fact that this is now acknowledged as being offensive and hurtful is a step in the right direction. It brings the issue to light. It raises questions. It opens up a debate and it makes people think. Um, so I think the most suitable way to address these kind of books is to have an honest discussion about it. At least the issue is not being swept under the carpet and ignored. I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe in banning these books mm -hmm. because these books actually already exist and they're out there. So what's the point? But we can use these books to start a discussion about what is racist stereotyping. We can actually use these books to discuss the sensitive issue of race. Um, you could rewrite or adapt these books, I suppose, to suit the current climate, that is an option. In fact, this is what has happened to our oral folktales. With, with every retelling, the story changes slightly to suit the society in which that story is being told. However, instead of rewriting or readapting the story, I think it's better to have the original story and use it as a way to discuss racism in literature and to make readers aware that these things exist. It's actually a great learning tool and we should use it. 
Yeah, that's interesting because it does seem that it might be easier to ban a book rather than update it and then have these conversations about its problematic aspects, which I think a lot of us still feel uncomfortable to do. Yes, that's right. Um, I don't, I don't believe in banning books. <laughs> um, and and in any case, these books have been out there for decades now. People have been reading them, um, and most people have even forgotten about them because they're so old. But um, if we can, like right now with the product recall, it has brought our attention to these six titles. We can actually look at them and and use it as a, a learning tool, uh, you know, as an example, why and and as a form of um, starting a discussion, why why would you consider this racist? What what is so bad about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we should we should definitely use that in that form. Now, what if children are reading books which contain these problematic or offensive um, stereotypes without realizing it and? And on top of that, they aren't also having these conversations um, with their parents or other adults in their life. Yes, of course. I mean, especially with older kids, you can't really control what they're reading. Uh, you can't really mm-hmm. <laughs> um, police what they're reading. Uh, I think for my kids, in fact, after the age of 11 or 12, I just let them read whatever they want to read. And I tell them, you know, if there's anything that they don't understand or they're not comfortable with, they can always talk to me about it. I'm not sure how other parents <laughs> deal with that, um, but there's bound to be. Uh, I mean, we we can't police what's what's in the books, um, and and it's such uh, books are such a subjective matter anyway. So there's there's bound to be books that have that kind of racial stereotyping. Um, we just have to. I mean, as a parent, um, we we I. As a parent, you just have to open yourself up, uh, make yourself available and um, make sure that your children know that, you know, if they're not, if, if something doesn't quite compute in the book, uh, they can always ask questions. I mean, I don't think you can control, uh, strictly control it. And finally, Heidi, do you think that this move to recall some of Dr. Seuss's books, uh, the problematic ones, is a hopeful sign that we are moving towards better representation and diversity in books? And I guess the willingness of publishers to acknowledge that even, you know, with books by well-known authors, there are some that need to be addressed. Um, yes, most definitely. It's brought the issue to light. I mean, it, it basically exploded on the scene uh, the first month, <laughs> the first of the month right mm. even like members of the senate were like <laughs> up in arms you know so um it's something that people can now talk about and can use uh, as a discussion um uh so it, it is it is a good thing it's it's better than just having uh, knowing that these books exist ignoring it and just sweeping it under the carpet um now it's out in the open and people can can talk about it. Uh, teachers in particular can use these as examples uh, to to have a conversation about racism in, in literature. Um, so yeah, it's a good thing. 
All right. Thank you so much, Heidi. So that was children's book author Heidi Shamsuddin sharing what she thought about the move to recall six of Dr. Seuss's books. And, uh, you know, basically she was saying how hopeful this made her feel that this is an important step towards better recognition of harmful tropes in books. Like she said, it's an important learning point for all of us um, children and adults to be able to have this conversation about race and racism, you know. And, and I think the news, while, you know, some people are arguing about whether it's cancer culture mm-hmm. or not the news is just uh, it's a conversation it's a starting point in a conversation about well why were they problematic in the first place what can we do about it and and um what she said about uh that she encourages her kids to ask questions about what they're reading in their books is such a good point because kids aren't just picking up values or attitudes from what they read. It's also in the media, of course, what they're seeing, uh, watching online, but it's also what's happening around them. If they're hearing conversations in their daily lives, their own family members, teachers or friends who um, who are perpetuating racist or sexist stereotypes, mm-hmm. um, what they are reading then is just one element of that larger environment. Books don't exist in isolation. If if they are reading um, something that feels so out of place because they see inclusion and diversity in the rest of the environment, then I think they would um, read that book and they would go to their teachers or parents and say, why is it like this in the book? It doesn't mm. make sense, right? Mm. It feels wrong. Uh, and, and so we shouldn't just look at books and look at banning them to just to whitewash uh, um, what has been out there. Uh, but always, like Heidi said, a starting point for mm. a conversation. Mm. And I guess sort of similarly, like what you say, if the book is, you know, um, saying the right things about um, racism, for example, or diversity, but what the kid sees around them is the exact opposite, mm. that, that um, and, and, you know, people around that child isn't having, isn't willing to have that conversation with them as well, that, you know, just having a book that says the right thing isn't going to be enough. Very true, yeah. So um, we've been asking you, do you think children's books with offensive elements should be taken off shelves. Uh, let's see, leading at about 40.6% is um, those of you who say no, you should leave them be. Um, 33% of you say yes, they should be taken off the shelves. 26% of you say uh, no, don't take them off the shelves, but edit them. And now uh, we've got quite a number of comments. Mm. Um, Chao Pong says it doesn't add up if on the one hand we condemn the banning of books and we claim that readers have the ability to think and judge for themselves, but on the other hand, if we support a move like this, um, we have for gosh Pak Eldu saying this is the end of freedom of uh, speech um, we have Callister saying maybe it will be an interesting conversation for the parent and their children mm. there you go Precious Bloom said when I was growing up we read all sorts of books and yet we were never racist oh, good for you um, <laughs> some quarters out there seem to be planting um racist thoughts and pinpointing everything that is deemed racist. Um, Dylan Kevin is um, being quite uh, sharp here. Are the elements really racist or just pandering to uh, somebody's whims and whining? Um, Xiong says, um, nowadays every small thing is considered offensive. The term must be defined. Um, Well, I think you can argue, I think it's pretty clear that stereotypes, um, you know, isolating a certain ethnic or um, race, um, uh, race with, um, you know, uh, painting them as villains mm-hmm. is pretty offensive. Yes. I think there's no way to argue around that one. Um, Ritza has WhatsApped in to say, um, having some lines about 
uh, that that are offensive in a story does not necessarily mean that the author condones or promotes the act. It is just a way of sharing to readers what was going on in society during a particular time or era. There are so many stories about genocide, war, murder, which are all clearly wrong. But without sharing these stories, people would not know what is good and bad, especially younger readers. So proper guidance is what's needed. Yep. Um, quite some interesting comments there. Hmm. I think um, sort of what what um, one of the Twitter comments was saying, right, about how sort of we, we used to read all sorts of books that might have contained these elements. I, I, I'm thinking also there, there might be certain situations where you sort of, we, we have encountered those situations where we've sort of internalized these um, tropes, mm. right, that you don't realize that what you are saying could be harmful. So it's, it's always that case of finding that right balance and I guess a continuous process of learning. Yeah, and I mean, look at the example of the Mulberry Street book. Um, mm. a, a picture and a throwaway line of a Chinaman um, eating with sticks. I mean, as a Chinese person, I look at it and yeah, it's irritating. Uh, it's it's obviously stereotypical. Okay, if I don't find it offensive, that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But this book was published and read largely by a generation of um, Western readers, um, which was did not have much exposure to people outside of their um, own cultures, perhaps. This and, would be all they know. Yes, and then it perpetuates. And then um, that's where you get... Uh, you know, um, experiences of um, Asian American children uh, being subjected to racial abuse based on these shallow kinds of representations that uh, other people know of their culture. So it's really like, it's just, you know, understanding where other people are coming from as well, right? Because it's, um, yes, for us, we might not find that it's particularly huge issue, but for some people, you know, it is very important because it affects their own lives directly. Mm. Zarif has messaged in to say... um, Uh, Let me just pull it up here. Uh, Something deemed racist might also be construed as merely racial, depending on the content and perception. In any case, there can never be a good read without a bad read. The two must coexist together. Yes, and and, and just to, um, since we were talking about representation as well, you know, Heidi was mentioning to me that she's also working on a YouTube series where she's telling stories um, about Nusantara fairy tales, you know, folklore from the Malaysian and Indonesian region. So that's um, quite interesting. You can look her up on YouTube if that's something that you want to listen or you want to listen to with your children. Absolutely. That sounds really fascinating. Um, anyway, do continue to tweet us your thoughts at BFM Radio. WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Some really interesting things coming in. So we still want to hear from you. That's right. So, But that's all the time we have for today's show. You can look us up on Facebook at BFM The Bigger Picture to drop us a message there. But if you've missed any part of today's show, you can download the podcast on bfm.my slash, the daily, slash daily digest on the BFM app or other places where you get your podcasts from like Spotify, Apple or Google. Now coming up after the 3pm news bulletin Hezrol Ashraf will be here for Live and Learn and he'll be speaking to Siti Aisha Hassan Hasri who is the founder of the Spot Community Project and they'll be talking about how um, uh, Spot Community Project has been providing comprehensive sexuality education and how they're tackling the stigma that young girls face when talking about their sexual health. This has been the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.